Hi, this is David Person with Alabama Politics This Week. You know, Josh and I have a lot of fun doing this podcast, and we also try to keep it very informational with newsmaker interviews, and, and we try to do our research, too, before we get on here and pontificate. I hope that you find the podcast informative and entertaining. So if you do, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to rate us, subscribe to us, and review us on your favorite podcasting platform, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever it is you're using to listen to us. Please do that. That will help us to move up in the rankings and also to uh, get more people to tune in. So if you're a fan of Alabama politics this week, I hope you'll do that for us. Thanks. But I think indirectly we're all affected because yeah. uh, it, it, the toxicity, and I don't just mean the literal toxicity that comes from the dumping, but the but the but also the figurative or symbolic toxicity that comes from these companies that come into communities, don't give a damn about the health and well-being of those communities, mm-hmm. commit corporate sins. Mm-hmm. And then ask for and then ask for forgiveness. All righty, welcome in, boys and girls. This is going to be the uh, the best uh, show we've done yet. Um, Absolutely. It, uh, uh, you know, tell your friends, your neighbors, uh, send this one out to everybody because this is going to be it's going to be a great one. Uh, pro- I, it's going to be the best. Uh, just take my word for it. And if it's not by the end, you'll be entertained. It'll be okay. All right. Uh, it is uh, Alabama politics this week. Josh Boone. The other person that you will hear here is David Person. All right. It's uh, uh, it's um, how's things going? Things going okay. Man, things are good. Things are good. Now you know it's a little it's a little somber here in Huntsville today, just a little bit, uh, because of the passing of uh, a political pioneer in our city, uh, Dr. Richard Showers. Mm. And uh, I wanted to I wanted us to talk about him today, Josh, because Dr. Showers uh, broke the color barrier that had existed on the Huntsville City Council for, uh, well, I think for probably close to 100 years or more, actually probably more than 100 years. And um, when he was elected in 1988, Hmm. and uh, he was the first, that made him the first black uh, city council person since Reconstruction. So, yeah, that's pretty significant. So, that's a little bit over 100 years, I think. It's a... yeah, man, those those kind of stories. You always, I mean, especially me as a, as a white dude, uh, you know, trying to wrap my head around around going into um, you know a situation or or an organization uh, or an institution like the you know the city council in, in a in a you know a, a large city like Huntsville, um, and being the first black person there to do that, you know, the first, first person of, of your, your race to do that and to take all of the absolute shit that, you know, is going to rain down on you, uh, from people that, you know, because all of a sudden, all of a sudden there's a new perspective 
on mm-hmm. on this council that has never been concerned so much with the plight of black citizens or you know the the part of town that he represents uh, ha- has been underrepresented and everybody was perfectly happy to to ignore those folks over there and uh, and to do that and to take that to take that on is 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 not an easy task is not a desirable task um, right. and and God bless the people who are willing to do it like Richard Showers. Yeah, he was uh he was definitely a tough man. He was a tough man, but a very uh a very warm person. Uh I I had a lot of encounters with Dr. Showers. Uh uh he he and I call him Dr. Showers because he was awarded an honorary degree, I believe, by his alma mater, Alabama AM University, which is also one of my alma maters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, in, anyway, uh, Dr. Showers um, definitely was uh, a, a uh, he was warm, but he was mm-hmm. tough. Uh, he could be outspoken and he often found himself on, I'll say, the wrong side of the political powers that be in the city. But nonetheless, uh, you know, as we like to say these days, he persevered. And uh, I think he uh, he endeavored to be a good advocate for the district that he represented. And Mm. and it was a predominantly, uh, you know, it is, I should say, a a predominantly black district. Um, And um, I want to share one story and I share. Sure, man. Share all you want. It's our podcast. We can do whatever the hell we want to do with this, man. Talk about (laughs) what you want to. I I, uh, I think it really fits with um, it really fits with what you said earlier about the challenges that somebody faces when they when they uh, achieve what Dr. Chowers achieved when he was elected in 1988. So fast forward, probably I'm going to say 10 years at least, mm-hmm. at least 10 years. Uh, Dr. Showers and former mayor Loretta Spencer had an interesting um, encounter during a city council meeting in which uh, she, in response to something he was saying or doing, and I don't remember what it was, uh, she called him uppity. Ooh. Yeah, uppity. So that, as you can imagine, created quite a stir, not just Mm -hmm. among black people, but among white people. Because uh, of the racial connotations, which uh, I find it, I still find it fascinating. And quite frankly, I don't believe it. Uh, But the mayor said then, and and the former mayor said then, and I'm sure she would even still say today, she did not realize that there was a racial connotation to using that word. So... You know, I, I actually yeah. we we had her Josh come down to the Huntsville Times for a meeting uh, because I had indicated to one of her people at the the very next day. I was like, you know, I got to write a column about this, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so he was like, oh, okay, well, the mayor wants to come down and talk to you. So then my boss got involved and said, well, if she's going to talk to you, she should really talk to the whole yeah. uh, to the editorial board. And I said, okay. So, so it was the editorial board. Myself. Oh, I'd have been so pissed about that. Uh, you don't want to talk to the editorial board. You want to talk to me? This is my story. Get the hell out of it. Well, it was still my story, but I agree with you. It was yeah. something I didn't quite understand. But, uh, 
But uh, hey, there you is, go, being all uppity, David, trying to have your own story. <laughs> <laughs> but my boss, my boss was a good man, and I, and I, as long as as long as I was still going to be able to pursue what I wanted, I, I was willing to concede yeah. it. And so I, and so we got together, and mm-hmm. um, and uh, and we had this big meeting that lasted probably close to an hour. And, and, and at the end of the meeting, she asked me to walk her out and which I did. So it was myself and the publisher, Bob Ludwig. He was, he was walking behind us and she looked over at me and she said, you know, I really want to know what you think about this. And I said, well, which I, you know, I said, Mm -hmm. well, mayor, um, you know, normally when a white person says the word uppity to a black person, there's a word that follows. Mm -hmm. And she just looked at me. And so I said, nigger, mayor. (laughs) The word is nigger. And she said, I, she just said again, well, I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. I've never heard that. Now, you know, Mayor Loretta Spencer, I, I understand she, she, she was a person of means you know, mm-hmm. and had been for quite some time. And I'm sure that, that that may have insulated her to some degree. But she yeah. was well into her 60s, as I recall, at that point. There and ain't no born, chance that she hadn't heard that phrase. No chance. Zero. Josh, that's exactly not only what I, what I felt, yeah. but a number of my white colleagues at the Huntsville Times said the very same yeah. thing to me uh, after no she chance. left. Well, I'll say, yeah. I'll say there, there is one chance that she didn't. When she was elected mayor, mm-hmm. was she residing and had she always been residing in Ireland? <laughs> because that is the only chance that we have. <laughs> That she that she had not heard that phrase because there is no way that she has spent a day in yeah. Alabama or the entirety of these United States and not heard that phrase, especially uh, in her age. I mean, if she yes. were somebody much younger, I might think, oh, yeah, well, that's like possible. seven. If she'd been like seven, maybe okay. Uh, but no, so, uh, there is no chance that she yes. has not run across. Now, I'm not saying she used it. I'm not saying that. I'm yeah, just yeah, saying, yeah. Uh, you know, that there's no chance that somebody in her orbit had not used that phrase at some point, or she had yeah. not heard it. Yeah, I'm. I'm certainly not suggesting that she uh, that she used the the word nigger, but I am saying. That it's it, it's absolutely impossible that she, at her age, where she lived, a, a native Huntsvillian, as far as I know, uh, you know, there's no way that she did not know that there was a racial connotation to yeah. that. And, and, so. and I, it just the, the other, you know, the other part of that is, what was even the context here? I mean, you know, what was the uh, why? Why was she calling somebody uppity? Uh, you know, who uses uppity any in any context? You know, anymore. Yeah. It's uh, not a word. That's, it's not a commonly used word, right? No, no it's not. No, and it's not it's, a commonly used word. I, but I'll say this, uh, and, and back to the point that I, that I made about these the folks like like showers that uh, that go into these institutions uh, and, and break the color barrier. Um, you know what that does is is force these entities and these people. Um, you know, because government is people. Uh, here mm-hmm. and it forces them 
to have these conversations that we were talking about um, and to think about things in a different way and to acknowledge the, the feelings and thoughts of other human beings that they don't typically deal with on a daily basis uh, for the most part, because they have insulated themselves and isolated themselves into their own neighborhoods and their own schools and everything else. And that though the breaking of that color barrier it helps in a lot of ways, even if people are resistant to it and they claim to hate it and they argue and they fight and everything else, it teaches them how everybody else lives. And, uh, and eventually it teaches people that we're not that different. You know, we, we, we want basically the same things to, you know, to, to have a good job, a good family, a good life, uh, be able to pay the bills and sleep at night. And that's, that's all anybody's really looking for, you know, and, and that's, people have the the same dreams and, and stuff every day. Nobody, nobody is dreaming these odd things that some people seem to think other people are dreaming all the time and, uh, you know, to not work and just have the government pay for you every day. Nobody's dreaming that, you know, it's everybody's dreaming the same thing. And uh, it's just, uh, and so I think that that helps with that. And so I, people like Dr. Shower should always you know, be honored and, uh, you know, yeah, and respected man. for what the, their contributions, uh, to, to that, to the, sure. you know, the society we live in. That's right. And I, and I think, um, I think he, his uh, achievements are worthy of that. And, uh, and, you know, he did, I think he did serve with, uh, uh, I think a good heart, you know, I did I, you know, I'm going to confess because, you know, I, you know, I've discussed this, I think, uh, sometimes publicly in some of my previous roles, I didn't always agree with him, but, mm-hmm. uh, but I always respected yeah. what he achieved. And I always respected where his heart was. And I think his heart truly was with his constituents. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. And I, I think we've, we've talked about that with, uh, with it kind of reminds me of, of Joe Reed, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and to some extent, Donald Watkins as well. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Donald, Donald's had some trouble of late, but uh, you know, there, there are times in Montgomery there where they, you know, they they set a tone uh, there for for the city and the city council, and and they took on people and they took on hatred and uh, stuff. And and I didn't I didn't always agree with them. Still don't always agree with them, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I do respect them. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, and I respect what they they went through because I I have no yeah I can't I can't relate. You know I cannot relate to that. I never will be able to relate uh, right. to to somebody simply hating me because of the way I look. You know what I mean, or, or the, the the color of my skin. Just, just you know, I've, I've got a sh- major strike, if not two strikes, against me when I walk through a door just because of that. And and it's just, you know, yeah. I, you, I can't, I'll never relate to that. And so, um, yeah, it's it, it's those those folks do. You know, I, I can't. Hey, you mentioned Donald Watkins uh, for me, and I don't, you know, I didn't follow his uh, his political career. Mm-hmm. Or really, his business, much of his business career in Birmingham. But I, I'll tell you what: uh, for me, he goes down in Alabama history as the person who I think single-handedly ensured that the rest of us would eventually be able to know conclusively what Robert Bentley had going on. That was that was so. <laughs> That was so such a smear on the state and so problematic in terms of how you govern the state. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, just, I'll tell you, man, I, 
I should write, I should, I, honestly, I should probably write a book about what took place at ASU because, because Robert Bentley played a, played a really big role in trying to destroy Alabama State University. Mm. Um, and, and Donald Watkins was rightfully, rightfully fighting against him on a lot of those things and was way out front on a lot of the stuff and a lot of the shadiness that was taking place. And, um, yeah, yeah, you're right about, about Donald and I know Donald well. Um, and I, and I like him, uh, you know, I know, I know what happened and I don't, you know, I know his side of the story. I know, I, you know, what, what was proven in court. And I, and I think Donald was wrong about, you know, what, what took place, but, Um, you know, the, the guy that I knew, I liked, uh, a lot. I liked talking to him. He was a hilarious case. I mean, he really is hilarious. Um, and, and, you know, and just a brilliant guy. I mean, he really is so super smart, man. And it's just, uh, you know, I hated what to, to see that. And, and honestly, I, I'll tell you this too. I encouraged him at, at one point, you know, to, to have somebody else represent him, uh, in the, in the court case. Cause I oh. thought that was, you know, but you know, Donald was convinced he was the best attorney and, and Donald's a great attorney. Um, and, uh, you know, I, um, I, and I'm, maybe it wouldn't have turned out any differently at all. Uh, I don't know. I just, my thought was it, it, he had, uh, it, w- it wasn't necessarily based on the expertise or the or the quality of the the legal uh, practice there that was going to take place. It was more to do with uh, being alienating the the prosecutors and things because they had such a uh, a distaste for him, rightly or wrongly. Mm. Um, and I felt like maybe somebody else coming in could have worked out a deal where, where they could have gotten a better, you know, some, some sort of a plea agreement in place. But could, you know, could, that's. Can you summarize for folks real quickly what that because I don't I don't even remember all the details of his uh, demise I'll call it what what, what uh, actually happened? yeah what I mean it's kind of a complicated deal and I, I and, and I don't want to not to get too specific because on if I tried to I would probably screw up some of the details because it is a you know it, it's a you know something that's just kind of a business deal that, you know, that they were um, he, he had a, a company and he claimed it was progressing towards this uh it's something to do with waste management and um uh, and the uh, you know he, he represented that it was worth this amount and got loans and then used the 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 business money uh in a way that was inappropriate uh okay. to pay off certain debts uh that he had incurred personally and um and so you know it all turned out to be illegal uh from mm. you know investor uh, money that that had it turned out to be illegally spent and according to the court. And so that's, you know, uh, it's just, I don't know, man, it, it, it bothered me a lot that, 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 that took place. And, um, and so anyways, uh, I don't know where we, where we landed with that, but, uh, yeah, well, um, yeah, well, but I mean, again, I think the bottom line is he's one of those guys who, uh, you know, as you said, as as I think we were talking about Dr. Showers, you you think about Donald Watkins and there's there there are a handful of others who mm-hmm. were pioneers, black men who pioneered politically in our state in ways that were notable mm-hmm. but definitely came with a set of challenges. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. I'll tell you another interesting thing about the Watkins family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his father was the president at Alabama State University for you know, back during the civil rights movement. Okay. Um, and then his brother, if I'm not mistaken, performed the first heart transplant. 
or 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 was something along those lines and, and he was a pioneer in the in the in the surgery world and, and it had to do with heart transplants it was whether he created the procedure or created something a, a valve process that that took place that that they still use today uh in that procedure it, it uh he was he's a renowned uh, surgeon i want to say he was at johns hopkins uh was one of their uh, renowned surgeons i mean that that family okay. is is super super smart man uh okay. they they know what they're doing but um, you know, it's, and now it's, it's kind of hard to, to transition <laughs> out, of the, out, of, out of the discussion of, uh, of those folks, but, uh, you know, and, and Dr. Showers and, and Donald Watkins and Dr. Reed and, uh, but it's, um, you know, I, I wrote a column about, yes. uh, but these people are not dancing chickens. Okay. Yeah, the, the ones we were just talking. About. Uh, the ones we were just talking about are not. They they are uh, you know who you see with those folks. That's who you get with those. Authentic. Folks. Uh, Authentic. Yeah, they, they you may not like what they say, but they're yeah. saying it because they believe it. Yeah. Um, and and that is uh, that goes against you know the dancing chicken theory uh, because uh, all right. So I don't know. I hate to admit this as well. Um, when I was growing up. For mm-hmm. some reason or another, I watched this ridiculous movie, Pure Country, starring George Strait. Uh, and I watched it multiple times. And I don't know why. I, I Honestly, what I recall about watching it is making fun of the movie. And, mm-hmm. and us, us quoting these stupid, there's a line in there where George Strait is mad at Kyle Chandler's character. <laughs> Go on, get your ass on out of here. And I mean, we quote that <laughs> all, me and my wife still quote it today. We say it all the time. <laughs> Go on, get your ass on out of here. And I <laughs> mean, because it's, you see it oh, yes, yeah, all the time. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> Like if one of us says, well, all right, well, I'm leaving then. And we'll say, all right, well, go on. Get your ass on out of here. Uh, and, it's, and, and it is so absurdly delivered. And the, I mean, the whole movie is just so cheesy and over the top and poorly done. And it's just an awful, awful movie. But I don't know why I watched it. But part of that uh, in it, uh, George Strait is, of course, playing a country music star in this thing. And yeah, uh, and yeah. he. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, with a ponytail. And he no. claims that um, that he is just miserable because his shows have been turned into these overproduced uh, stage productions and uh, with fireworks and lights and everything. And he feels like this dancing chicken that they saw when they were at the fair, uh, when they were kids and the guy, they would put the food out on the, on the little stage and then they would turn the heat up underneath the stage and the heat underneath the stage would cause the chicken to dance. And so basically I said, this that's is a, a cruel, perfect metaphor. That's pretty cruel, but yeah. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I said, it's a perfect metaphor for Alabama politics where mm-hmm. the base of voters it turned up the heat and now the chickens must dance and do these ridiculous dances. And one of the dancing chickens that I cited first was the newest member of our U.S. Senate race, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Durant from Huntsville, a uh, business owner from Huntsville, uh, and a former POW and uh, Navy uh, helicopter pilot who was famously shot down in Somalia. And I say famously uh, because his that uh, whole incident and his 11 days in uh, captivity there were, were chronicled in the movie Black Hawk Down. Um, and so, right. uh, but he comes out to let people know that he is a pro-Trump, Trump supporting, no bigger Trump supporter on the planet than Mike Durant. Hmm. He's a POW. Mm-hmm. who worked on John McCain's campaign. 
who is a big admirer of John McCain, who loved John McCain. What are you talking about? You're a right. Trump supporter. What are you talking about? There's no way in hell I believe you're a Trump supporter. No way in hell. There is no POW alive today that could have listened to what Trump said about John McCain being only a hero because he got captured. I like people who weren't captured. That's 100% what he said live in front of an audience, mm-hmm. on stage, recorded. Everybody can play it back. There's no POW who loves Donald Trump after saying that shit about uh, you know legitimate war American heroes. Uh, just what? Do, and that's what I'm saying. These are the dancing chickens here, man. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. Nobody should believe a word any of these people say. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought you made an excellent point in the column. I did. I didn't at first. I didn't. Uh, you know, understand the dancing chickens. Uh, metaphor until until you you contextualized it but it makes perfect sense though i mean how in the world can any thinking person and i i don't really know much about durant but but i've seen him on and off through the years and he seems like a reasonable person mm-hmm. so how could any thinking reasonable person truly truly who's been through his experience and not only who has been through his experience, but who worked with the nation's most famous POW and helped to get him elected. How could that person then shut off all of that and, and actually respect and admire Donald Trump? There's no uh, way just, in the world any thinking sane person could do that in his position. No way. That, and you know what? Why, why would I respect somebody who did? You right. know? Why would I vote for and respect somebody who would who would cozy up to this guy who just, you know, uh, who's so shit on what, you know, what happened to them when they were out there trying to, you know, to to protect and serve the country. And, and, you know, he ends up captured. And, you know, it just. So here's the the question, Josh. Let's get into the politics of it for a minute. Here's the question. Mm -hmm. Um. If you're running, if you're Mo Brooks or if you're Katie Britt or even Linda Blanchard Mm -hmm. and this guy gets into the race, taking the position that he has, you can't in this state, you can't you can't call out that hypocrisy or that dissonance. Yeah, because, you know, that would be seen as an attack on Trump. Mm-hmm. So he really, it almost, even though what you and I are talking about here makes 100% perfect sense, in the Republican primary, it actually doesn't. <laughs> yeah. I, no, so, and it just, yeah, you're right. You're right. So, so, so my question to you is, having said that, let's take that off the table. Let's look now at. What are the chances that he's going to upend the Republican primary in your mind? Because I think he thinks he is. Yeah, I I don't. I mean, I don't think so. I think I do think it's a soft field. So I understand why he would jump in there, uh, you know, because once you move Mo Brooks out of the way and you realize that his numbers right now, the polling numbers are really phony. Uh, I mean, they're all about name recognition and not necessarily about voter intent. Um, And and after you you, you come to that conclusion, you realize that nobody in there has really probably more than 20 percent of the vote right now. Um, and it's because nobody knows anybody, you know, and, and they don't, you know, Katie Britt's an unknown, Linda 
Blanchard is, you know, whatever. Um, Jessica Taylor, who's in there. I mean, you know, she created one good ad, um, for if you're a Republican, I guess. And then, you know, you got Mo, who is, you either love or hate Mo. And I think most people are, are slowly moving to the hate category. Um, and so, you know, you've got a, you've got a pretty soft field there, but at the same time, you had, you've had some things that have taken place that I don't know that he can get back in the bag. You know, BCA and Alpha, uh, issuing their endorsements for Brit. I, I think that that, that kills Mike Durant. Um, in this, uh, because you, you just can't, it, it would be really tough to overcome. Now, I would say that well, maybe one of the things that gets him a lot more recognition is if uh, Trump, uh, pulls that, that endorsement of Brooks and decides to, to, you know, redirect it to Mike Durant. Uh, and I think that may have something to do with him getting in this race is that they really they suspect that's going to take place. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I think I think Trump is really worried about that, and I think this gives him an opportunity to say, "Hey, I didn't know this war hero was going to get in the race." And so now, look at me, Mister uh, All American. I'm going to support this guy and uh, and say this. And of course, you know, Durant will accept the hell out of it, and and you know, get get some publicity for a little while. And and if that happens, that'll boost him up some. But you know, that we're we're way far down the line in in some regards in terms of you know early fundraising and getting. That, those early bumps out of the way. Uh, I mean, he can support his own candidacy for for you know a while, but uh, he's going to need some money flowing in from somebody pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So you think you think there, it's not likely that he's going to change the the uh, or have any significant impact? Is what I'm hearing you say. Well, I don't, I, I don't know about you know impact. Yeah, I think he'll have some impact because I think he'll he'll get more votes than Linda Blanchard or Jessica Taylor will. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I don't, I don't know that he can. I don't know that he can make a runoff. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, it depends. I mean, it, it, I think it relies on whether or not Trump pulls that endorsement and endorses Durant. Uh, if that happens, then I think he gets enough attention statewide that it probably pushes him past Mo Brooks. Hmm. In the okay. long run, in the long run, assuming he doesn't screw up or do anything crazy, right, which is right. you know never a given in, in this in this state. You know, by, hell, by this time next year, all all of them could be in jail. Uh, so, which is you know, I mean, you know how, how the Republicans typically do business; they could they could all be in jail at this point. Yeah, uh, so. well, we've seen, of course. That. I mean, I say that, and I forget sometimes that Steve Marshall is our AG, so there's no chance they're actually going to be in jail. So. Well, I don't know. Look at the Hubbard, Hubbard, and you know. Yeah, it was if Steve Marshall had been there when Mike Hubbard uh, was being uh, chased, it, uh, he would have never been chased. Uh, okay. Yeah. Thoroughly convinced of that. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's slide out of here. We'll come, we'll come back in, um, and, and we'll see which uh, which districts the uh, the dancing chickens are going to find themselves in <laughs> when we uh, talk to uh, Anthony Daniels about the uh, redistricting process that, that's taking place. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll find out which legislator is going to select you uh, to vote for them in the upcoming. In the upcoming election <laughs> for the next ten years. All right, uh, let's slide out. Alabama politics this right. week. Back in a minute. The power brokers that determine who gets the shiny campaign set up and who doesn't um, is kind of an old boys club. And we didn't want to have to turn those clients away because they couldn't afford the big consultant minimums to hire a pricey consulting firm. So we created Turn It Blue Digital to give down ballot candidates an option 
um, and give them a way to look like they know what they're doing, even if they don't always feel like it. Well, uh, talk about uh, some of the options. Like, uh, give, give people an example of, of what you could do. If, if they wanted to run for, you know, the county commission or they wanted to run for, for you know, a state house seat. Right. So the first thing we would do is um, get them started with a launch kit. So this is everything a candidate needs to look um, professional online to have everything set up and running smoothly. Um, one of my other favorite projects we've been working on, we just rebuilt this platform from the ground up, um, is a ad buying platform. So you can go in in 15 minutes for $500 and run your own display ads, run your own video ads, um, and even run your connected TV. Um, so your Peacock, your Hulu, that kind of stuff. How do people get in touch with you? How do, how do they find out what you're all about and, and see the pricing and get signed up? Yep, so we are at turnitbluedigital.com. Um, you can tweet me, Clayton 5 um, You can email me, Beth, at turnitbluedigital.com. Um, but turnitbluedigital.com is the best way to, to submit that inquiry form and get started. All righty. Welcome back. We are pleased now, uh, David and I, to have with us uh, House Minority Leader Anthony Daniels. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's been a while since we've had you on, and uh, and I'll try not to insult you this time, like I like I typically do. I I, I don't know why, but I'm feeling very generous today. Um, uh, but uh, you know, it's it is it is nice to have you on because I know you have been in the room where they have been discussing, or at least in the conversation, I don't know about in the room, uh, but in the conversation where they are discussing our our redistricting uh, that is about to take place in this state. And, uh, you know, I, uh, the, the first question that I would have for you, though, is what what are the conversations around redistricting uh, like? Are, are they very contentious? Do you feel like we can, uh, we're going to get fair maps? I think I know the answer to that, but uh, how unfair will they be? Well, uh, uh, just full disclosure, I certainly hadn't been in a back room discussing any type of maps that would favor any incumbents or anyone. Right. Um, but uh, those of us that are having conversation about redistricting have been having conversations about uh, following the traditional redistricting principles uh, and things that are already in, you know, constituted in the state of Alabama that encourages you to make counties whole, which is fair. Uh, I wouldn't want someone representing my county that does not live in my county or have um, enough, even if it's a smaller population, uh, we certainly want someone that we know and we, we uh, trust and that can carry our message uh, to represent us. And so uh, the traditional redistricting principles that we're advocating for is making counties whole. Uh, and I think a number of mayors and city council members and county commissions and and local elected officials across the state of Alabama uh, have been saying the same thing. We want representation from our community uh, as best as possible. And so uh, all the gerrymandering and all those things, you know, that stuff needs to cease. Uh, but, you know, as you know, um, it hasn't happened. It didn't happen under Democratic control and it hadn't happened under Republican control. Uh, but at some point, um, and I think the time is now uh, we have to follow those traditional redistricting principles or we'll find ourselves in court again. 
Yeah. You know, and I, I want to be clear, too. I, 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 when I said you're, you're in the room, I, I meant the open room, the one where people are, are discussing, you know, what's kind of going on with these with these maps and coming up with these things that are, uh, you know, that, that we're going to all take a look at and uh, and our representatives will vote on it at some point. And, uh, you know, I, I guess when you say you're making the counties whole, uh, that that would seem to um Go against some of the things that that uh, in, at least in the last redistricting effort that that Republicans did, uh, where we had these uh, you know little slivers of of districts that worked themselves up into certain counties just so they could maintain control. Jefferson County being one of the ones that was uh, the most in contention last time, I believe was uh, you know. And so, do you feel like that that's actually going to take place this time? Well, I can only speak for um, my meeting with the redistricting. Uh, the map drawer. Uh, um, it, it appears that he is trying every effort and opportunity to make counties whole uh, and, and not split precincts uh, and make precincts whole. Uh, but I, I hear that there's a lot of political pressure uh, to deviate, you know, go away from, from doing that because it does not favor the other side. And so uh, uh, I've you know, beginning to hear that there are more consultants now get involved from a national level and a state level in the redistricting process, which then influences the process even more. Uh, hopefully that's not true. Uh, and that's not the type of map that's going to be uh, introduced um, by the reapportionment committee. But at the end of the day, uh, we got to wait and see. Uh, those maps should be released on the 27th for the public. And it will be at that particular time that we'll assess and analyze those maps and determine what or if any action should be taken taken afterwards. But I will tell you that members of the committee have mentioned um, both Democrat and Republicans don't feel like they've been uh, they know what's going on. And so that's something that we're, we're, we're looking uh, to address very soon. So, Anthony, uh, the ACLU, the NAACP, the Greater Birmingham Ministries, uh, they sent a letter to the reapportionment committee reminding the members to abide by legal requirements. And yet, as you said, gerrymandering has been become really a political institution in our state. And and you're even expressing concerns about you know, what, what perhaps may happen. Uh, how do we, uh, my question is a two-parter. One, uh, how, how likely is it that, that this will not end up in court? And number two, uh, do you think it's actually possible that with a Republican-controlled uh, legislature that there won't be a continuation of the packing of black constituents into uh, one district or, or, or something like that in order to ensure that there is a majority, uh, that the majority of the districts that uh, ultimately are, are installed are Republican-controlled districts? Well, David, um, as a state, that does the opposite of whatever is required legally from the federal <laughs> government and the state government. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, uh, it is very evident uh, that we are uh, 
not always in compliant with what the law, the, uh, as the way the law reads. And so um, I can only speak to uh, my experience with the map drawer. It appears that they're trying to do the right thing. However, now that consultants and politicians are involved in the process, I don't know that they can withstand the pressure. And so I think that we'll end up going backwards and, 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 and back to where we were on the gerrymandering side uh, if I know how politics influences policy, uh, where logic is not a, a, the applied principle in making decisions uh, and, and when ma- and influencing the make, making uh, decisions. And so I would say that I fully expect there to be some sort of a litigation um, because of the pressure from politicians and consultants. Okay. And, and what about, and so, and so that, I guess that automatically answers the second part of my question. You, you are fully expecting that there's going to be some packing. I do expect it. Um, I don't think that, um, I think that ideally uh, the folks that the chair of these committees um, don't want to pack. Um, However, I just think that the political pressure is going to then force them to go back to, you know, business as usual, um, because at the end of the day, you got to pass something that can, uh, um, a map that can get the votes out of committee, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's the reapportionment committee or the uh, state government committee that will likely see these maps on next Friday. Um, and then um, the members of the House of Representatives and, and having the votes. And so um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what actually happens. Um, but I wouldn't expect a five day session. I can tell you that it'll be way longer than five days. Okay. Oh, really? Huh? What? So, uh, who, who is going to lose, uh, here? I mean, cause if we're going to change it up and we're going to go, let's, let's say we, we did go to the, to the county system and, and we, we, we kept the counties whole for the most part, for wherever they could, um, who who loses uh, out of that? Is it is it Republicans? Is it Democrats? Or is it a share of both? It's Alabamians. Um, unless and, and if we're doing where we're making county counties whole, mm-hmm. and we're put, putting constituents together to give them the ability to choose their representatives instead of their representatives choosing them, mm-hmm. I think we'll be in a good place. The likelihood of that happening is very unlikely. Uh, in fact, I would, uh, I would, I'm willing to bet a steak dinner to a Coca-Cola, uh, that, um, it's not going to happen. The, it, the right thing is not going to happen. No, yeah, well, that's, so, that's always a pretty safe bet here. Right. Um, uh, it just, it's, it's, um, it's disappointing to me and I want, I want to see, get your thoughts about this. Um, it's disappointing to me that they're. There's not more engagement and outrage among the average voter about this, because if you take a look around this state, we're talking about districts here now that are what, what, four percent of districts are competitive. Um, and, 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 you know, that that just kind of squeezes everybody 
uh, where and leaves them with no options for better representation. Uh, it pushes everybody to the ideological extremes, uh, whether it be Democrat or Republican, uh, you know, mainly Republican in, in this state. Uh, it pushes them out to the far edges and leaves them with very few choices. And it just seems like more people would be upset with that. Well, I think that, you know, really we this year, um, last several months, is the first time that I think there have been organizations trying to educate the public on what redistricting is and the mm-hmm. impact of redistricting. And so I think that what you're dealing with is you're dealing with the lack of understanding of the basics of redistricting and its impact in communities across, across the state of Alabama. And so I will take my hat out to the organizations that have been involved in this process However, even those organizations that are trying to draw maps are not necessarily understanding from a historical, scholarly, or legal standpoint the history of redistricting. Mm. And so I think uh, there's a couple of things that, must ha- things that must happen. I think that the community has to understand and those groups have to understand that legislators are the ones that introduce maps and vote on maps, right? Mm-hmm. Until they are drilling down to the constituencies of these particular legislators, gerrymandering will still continue uh, like it is. And you're seeing it play out in other states. Uh, the Republican Party and the, uh, the uh, congressional uh, Republicans uh, want to get back in the majority. The easiest way to do it is when you control state legislatures. You redraw and start drawing Democrats in districts and packing districts like they're doing in Texas with Al Green and Sheila uh, Lee, mm-hmm. um, and they're they are they've drawn them in the same district. Folks that have been serving the state for so long, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee and, and, and Al Green, and they've drawn them in the same district. They will do go to whatever length is to to keep um, you know to be in charge and to win, and they don't do it by the by allowing people to choose their representatives, but by representatives to choose their people. And that's unfortunate. And that's being played out all across the country. And Alabama is not exempt. Yeah, no. And and I was going to say, too, um, you know, if they went to counties, that would not help you, would it? If they went to making counties whole? Right. Oh, it would it would definitely help me. It it would help you. I I thought it would make your district a little more competitive for you. Well, it, it, it will. But, you know, one thing that I think that has not happened, a racial polarization study has not happened. Right. The, but I will tell you the sentiment that I get here in Madison County is that racial pol- polarization is less of an issue in Madison County than it would be in another county. And so for me, I'll, uh, you know, for almost two cycles in a row, uh, Democrats have is 45 to 48% of the vote in Madison County, right? And mm-hmm. so it doesn't bother me. And although the it's only African-American percentage is only 20-some percent, right? Mm-hmm. But this, the we've consistently voted 48% Democrat and 45%. And so in the presidential cycle with Biden, right? And so it doesn't the rate of racial polarization doesn't bother me as much in Madison County as it would in other parts of the state. Right. So okay. for me, I'm not I'm not necessarily worried. And I've always said this. I'm willing to sacrifice me if it helps them get to 41 or break the supermajority to create a balance in the state. Yeah. I'm not that caught up on politics to where I'm not willing to give give up 
something that uh, a position that I'm in for the greater good. Yeah. Well, that would definitely be the greater good. I mean, just just the mere fact of of yeah. making some of these races competitive again, uh, and, and making people actually have to pay attention uh, to the, you know, in, in some districts, you know, thirty thirty five percent or so uh, of of your constituency, uh, you know, making people have to pay attention to those folks and and their needs and their issues and things that are taking place in their communities uh, would would be a hell of a change for the good for the state because that's what the representative government is supposed to do is represent everybody in the government and we're, we're just not getting that right now and, and you know you'll continue to to get um cre- it'll continue to create divides i do think that the balance will create more moderation in politics and for, force us to focus more on measuring uh outcomes and making decisions based upon data and improving the quality and structure of communities and it won't be a one-size-fit-all approach but as long as you have one party that has more of a super majority, mm-hmm. that's not going to be the case. That's not going to be the outcome. And so for the, for, for the citizens of Alabama, it is better that we, there, there is a balance created to force negotiation and force people to actually have to talk to each other long term. Today, we do talk to each other. But long term, I just don't see where we're going in politics. I don't see that being the case. Yeah. I- I think you're right. It's it's a it's a shame, and I, and and unless David has something else, I, I you, well, I I was just going to quickly respond and to sure. that and just say, Anthony, I saw uh, where um, I think it was a national poll that said eighty percent of Republicans want to see Trump run again, and I would suspect that that would be at least that high in our state, and I wonder how much of what we ultimately are trying to achieve here when you talk about balance and moderation is going to be undercut by, you know, the vast majority of Alabamians. Well, I think, I think the district lines will determine that. I think that, you know, where we are, you have the business community that's becoming more active and pushing back against some of the policy and, and, and legislation that's being uh, sponsored um, by Republicans like uh, the vaccination uh, mandate, right? Of, not, mm-hmm. of individuals introducing a bill to push back against a mandate, preempting, mm-hmm. but business community is pushed back on that. And so you're st- you, I think the business community, uh, the farmer community, uh, the Farmers Federation, uh, the Alabama Education Association, all of these strong associations, uh, including the uh, you know trial lawyers um, and others, um, that all of them have to start pushing back on things that stifle growth and opportunity for Alabama. Yeah, that's uh, and, and I think you're right. I think it, it is if. The only thing that, that can counterbalance this uh, this power move and power grabs uh, is money, and and hopefully we can maybe we can get the money guys to to push back a little bit and realize that it's also in their best interest to get sane people into office uh, because I think they're they're slowly they're slowly beginning to realize that crazy doesn't help them with their bank accounts uh, very much. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, hey, we we do appreciate you coming on. Uh, I know it was uh, it was short notice and a tight window for you today, and and we really appreciate you taking the time. And, and hopefully this will help some folks understand, you know, exactly what's at stake here. 
Thank y'all, man. And keep keep up the good work of educating and, and keeping the public informed across the state of Alabama. Yes, Thanks, sir. Anthony. Thank you, Anthony. That's Anthony right. Daniels, uh, minority leader uh, in here and doing, uh, you know, listen, done a lot of work, does a lot of work behind the scenes uh, that people don't don't really know about. But uh, uh, a lot of it is uh, banging his head against a wall sometimes, <laughs> which I well. completely understand. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's uh, yeah. but he's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's good to have guys like that out there and, and doing that work. Who are willing to take a hit. For the yeah. people, you know. Yeah, you don't hear that very often, do you? Yeah, sure don't. Yeah, yeah, guy, guy willing to give up his seat for the betterment of the of the state just if it would help out. So, so God bless him. I hope it. Uh, I hope it doesn't come to that, but uh, because we need him yeah. around. But uh, yeah. it's uh, you know, it's uh, it's nice to know that uh, that he has the same sentiment. I think we all share. So, all right, all right, we're gonna slide out of here. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, wrap this baby up here in just a couple of minutes. Alabama politics this week. Back in a moment. Alrighty, welcome back, boys and girls. Really appreciate our, uh, our minority leader Anthony Daniels coming on there for uh, for a little bit. Uh, yes. It's a good good info. That was that was really mm-hmm. good info about things, and I hope people will get more involved in that uh, redistricting process and maybe it'll make a difference. I don't know. And you know, I'm not I'm not asking for a, for a democratic uh, lean here or you know a, a liberal lean in the in the process. I would like to remove politics from it altogether and. Um, you know, maybe see if we couldn't come up with a panel or something that that could put these things together and mm-hmm. um and just and take take the people out that are going to benefit from these lines, take them completely out of the process. Uh, it just seems fair to the voters to do it that way. But you know, yeah, you know, we and, and I guess my my concern is that we currently have a state legislature that is more concerned about stuff that has no bearing on the actual well-being of the people of our state. I was looking at a video interview that um, this state representative, I can't remember what section of the state he's he's in. His last name is Oliver. And, mm-hmm. and he's on this kick about, you know, critical race theory and, and diversity, equity, and inclusion and how it's Marxist and you know, and he's he's trying to um, he's introduced the uh, Senate Bill Nine, I think it is, to try to um, <clears throat> ensure that that no state entities are you know teaching CRT or or promulgating DEI. You know, and I'm thinking, my God, you know, we've got people in this state that don't have as as we're about to talk about, I think, that don't have either good drinking water who have severe wastewater issues. We've got people that are, that are literally uh, living in conditions that are, that are third world. Mm-hmm. And, and yet his focus and the big thing he's concerned about is CRT and DEI. I mean, what the hell, man? Yeah. You know, we, and, and so what I want really, Josh, to see like you, you know, I mean, I have my, you know, my political positions and preferences, but I would be very happy, even if the legislature were still predominantly Republican and, and if, and if the, the governor was Republican, if we just had people in office who would try to do what's best for the people of the state. Mm-hmm. And if they, yeah. would just, if they would focus on real problems 
and not this BS that has nothing to do with everyday life. You yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you what I think. This is what I think. I think that the way my ideals and the things that I believe in are strong enough to survive a fair system. That's what I think. I don't need mm. a I don't need a jaded system. I don't need mm. one rigged for my my ideals or my my political uh, preferences on things. I don't need one. I don't need one that way. I don't, I don't need it to be rigged in any way, shape, or form. I don't need to keep anybody from voting. I don't need to. I don't right. need you to to draw a district line that's unfair. I don't need any of that. I believe that what I believe in is strong enough to survive a fair system. Draw them up fairly. Let the people cast a vote. And at the end of the day, let's count them up and we'll see who, what happens. We'll right. see what they want. We'll see what they want out of out of their government. And if it's not the same things that I want, then you know what? I'll live with it. I'll I'll deal with it. How and I'll talk to more people and, and try to see either a where am I wrong or b how can I convince them that I'm right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and mm-hmm. that's the way that it ought to be. And if you can't live that way, then get the hell out. Get out. Yeah. Get out. Get out of there yeah. uh, with things. And 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 I honestly, I don't know how anybody could disagree with that. And as a matter of fact, I believe we are slowly winning over the conservatives in this state uh, at, at, to our podcast. Right? And, uh, didn't we? Didn't we get a nice email? We did. And. Um... And um, if if this email is indicative of that, then good. That means that. Of course it is. Oh, we're going to say it is. This is how all conservatives now think. (laughs) I love it. So here's the email. This email is from, uh, let's see, what is his name? Christopher. 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 So Christopher says, as a conservative centrist. Okay. I genuinely appreciate your show. We've all got to get back to being able to have a sensible dialogue with each other. I fully believe you folks are helping towards that. Well, thanks, Christopher. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Hey, so listen, that's that's all we're talking about here. We're not screaming at anybody. We're not. We're not. You know, yeah, I'll go on a rant or two and get wound up. Okay, mm. yeah, I do that. But I mean, really, the only person I'm yelling at is David. I mean, and I'm not really yelling at him. I'm just, I'm just yelling in his <laughs> yelling general in, vicinity. Right. You know? <laughs> and so, I mean, you know. We both believe almost all the same stuff, you know, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. except his weird stance on college football. I mean, that's ridiculous. But I mean, uh, honestly, and I worry about that being communist sometimes, but uh, otherwise it's OK. You know, everything's great. <laughs> but yeah, that's all we're doing here, man. Uh, trying to we're trying to further common sense. That's the goal of the show. To further common sense. That's all, you know, stop voting for shit that doesn't help you, okay? Mm-hmm. And stop licking the boots of people that, you know, that are keeping you down, man. Uh, vote for yourself. Vote for the people like you. Stand up for people who are going to work every day, trying to feed their families and trying to do the right things, regardless of their race or their religion or That's right. whatever else, you know. Right. Just, just work towards that. Take mm. care of yours. Take care of yourself. Talk to your people. Do good. And, you know, these are things I think we and, can all get behind. And, and, and a lot of this, you know, and, and, you know, I love to speak to uh, all of the church going folks since I'm a church going folk. A mm. lot of this uh, or person, I should say, a lot of this is the stuff that you were taught in Sunday school or in my case, Sabbath school. I mean, you know, just just be decent. Just be decent. And try to create a decent, just society, 
You know, it's not based on, you know, the subjugation of this group over here because they're different or that person over there because they're different. Just want equal opportunity, which is what the Constitution calls for. You know, Amen. Equal hallelujah. For everybody. Amen. Hallelujah. Am yeah. I using those right? Am I doing that? Okay. Yeah. Is this where we pass the plate? That's this it. Is this is it. Yeah. This okay. Okay. Yeah. I was, like, we, we should pass the plate. We just, you know, you know <laughs> create a donation system around here. I get some of these, all these folks that are listening to, to shoot us some cash every now and then. Yeah, but no, right. well, listen, it's free. It's free. I'm not going to, yeah. you're not going to do anything. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. And, and, and in uh, that regard, um, I'd like to talk about three. Uh, okay. And the and the settlement that they have reached with the city of Decatur uh, and Morgan County and Decatur Utilities and the Tennessee Riverkeeper, although the Tennessee Riverkeeper, um, rightfully they they were less concerned about money and more concerned about cleaning up of the pollution that's taking place in the river, monitoring it in the future, uh, testing. And so they, they got some things just, you know, quickly that, uh, the 3M agreed to put some money into, to, uh, accounts there that they could, that could be used to pay for experts and testing, uh, for the future. Uh, they agreed to, to abide by whatever testing that came, came out of these things and that they would clean up and remediate things, uh, going forward that they found. So yeah. that's, that's great. I, you know, the Tennessee Riverkeeper folks have do, do, Really, really good work with with a pretty small staff and and a, and a small budget. And so, look them up if you'd like to donate to that sort of thing. They're they're a great group of folks. Uh, so, uh, but now I want to get to the to the ninety eight million dollar deal that they've set up with the city. All right, ninety eight million dollars is a lot of money. Okay, there ain't no there's no way around it. Ninety eight million dollars is a lot of money, and it looks like a nice sum on paper. Uh, it's pretty small sum to a company like 3M, but it's a, it's a nice chunk of change. Um, they're 35 million of that's going to go to pay for a new rec center. Why are they going, why are they paying for a new rec center? Well, unlike what the mayor of Decatur would say, uh, when he talked about how nice 3M was and, and building this nice new rec center for, for the city, they're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. is isn't a 3M rec center that they're sponsoring downtown. Exactly. They, they did it because they've destroyed the other one with the damn pollution that's under the ground. All right. So you can't use it anymore. So we're going to build another one. Uh, then they're going to pay $22 million uh, for past remediation costs that have been incurred by the city, Dakota Utilities, and Morgan County. They're going to pay another seven-some-odd million dollars uh, to, to handle some of the future stuff. And then they're going to pay 20-some-odd million bucks to go out and cap off some sales at landfills uh, that are now currently uh, leaching into the river uh, and causing major pollution that's running through the Decatur wastewater plant. You'll notice in there, well, all right, mesh this. What is when we talk about pollution in the water? What's the main concern of that? Well, we want water that people can drink Whoa! and that they can bathe in. There we go. Mm-hmm. Well, did you hear me say anything about fixing that water system? I did not hear anything about that. Yeah, that's because there's nothing in there, which is surprising, given that that's some of the major components in 3M's other settlements that they've reached with other cities. Remember, they reached the $850 million settlement with Minnesota uh, because their state attorney general isn't uh, a complete do-nothing self-promoter and actually got involved in the thing and uh, created a, a nice settlement for the entire state to make sure that their water was and water systems at a variety of different locations around the state were actually working properly and would filter out some of these forever chemicals that have been shown in a lot of studies including studies from 3M, by the way, uh, to to cause a variety of issues 
uh, illnesses and likely have caused some deaths over the course of time, although those things were, will be yet to be proven uh, in, in, uh, in the state of Alabama anyway, although those lawsuits are coming. So here we are uh, there. And it's a, I'll say, all right, <laughs> one other little small caveat that I have here uh, with this settlement. The attorney that was handling this for the city of Decatur, that man named Barney Lovells, um, works at a firm named Harris Cadell and Shanks there. He was being paid by the city by the hour to work on this. He was also being paid by 3M. Yeah, I know, right? And how about that? What? In this settlement, in this settlement, part of the settlement, he's going to get $7 million. That firm is going to get $7 million from 3M, separate from this, separate from this. Wait, wait, but wait a minute, though, Josh. How did a judge allow that? That's a good question. That's a very, very good question. And, I mean, you know, we're going to have some of those at, uh, at you know, at the upcoming uh, little, little presentation that they're going to make publicly on October the 27th, I believe it is, uh, before in a joint meeting of the, of the city council and the commission. And I believe our friend Billy Jackson, who was on this show mm-hmm. with us, uh, has also raised some very serious questions. Uh, about this mm-hmm. and we'll see you know what what comes about because he he can't seem to wrap his mind and i can't either of how the city was paying him by the hour and then he still gets a seven million dollar settlement from 3m um well that i mean i could wrap my mind around it it sounds like it sounds like uh chicanery and 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 mm-hmm. criminal behavior is what it sounds yeah. like at least a conflict of interest for sure Certainly. Sounds like a conflict of interest, doesn't it? That, uh, yeah. you know, that, and now everybody's, you know, lauding this great, great and, uh, awesome settlement here. Um, and in the meantime, you know, there's also some questions about where this new rec center is going to be. Um, and because it was billed as a new rec center to, uh, that will go in the city center, uh, to serve all of Decatur. Well, guess where it's not going to go. <laughs> To the city center. Yeah, exactly. Guess what the demographics of the city center is. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Guess whose district would be the city center. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh So, uh, yeah, it's a, um, and and, here, furthermore, guess where the Aquadome uh, that they're going to have to shut down uh, currently resides. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. it is, uh, you know, I grew up there. Mm-hmm. Um, the the school that is now current, that is shut down, uh, and it was shut down not because of this, but they were they were using the, uh, using uh, the old Brookhaven Middle School as a youth service center. Um, the, I went to that school. Uh, that was my middle school growing up. Uh, you can't use it anymore. Uh, it's now currently owned by 3M. They bought it for $1.25 million a couple of years ago because uh, there's poison underneath the ground. There's those PFAS forever chemicals underneath there that are uh, that are in the soil causing problems. Um, same thing. They're sitting right next door to, to that school is the Aquadome Rec Center uh, there. Uh, it's, a, you know, Aquadome's a big covered pool indicator. Um, and it's a uh, and, and there's also uh, basketball courts and some other facilities there uh, that uh, that are used by, by various groups of people. Matter of fact, my grandfather uh, used to call square dances at the Aquadome. Uh, oh, on Friday, wow. Friday and Saturday nights, uh, all the time. Okay. Um, yeah, um, a lot of white people there, and uh, <laughs> the uh, 
matter of fact, you don't get whiter. Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> I don't hear anybody in the black community talking about square no, dancing. Not no, to say no, that no. there aren't any out there. I, just no, I don't know. Maybe there were, and I just missed them. But they, there were never any when I went. Uh, so okay. uh, when I joined him at the a uh, few times there to watch that, uh, never. Uh, but anyways, uh, the um, you know it was. Uh, yeah, it's been a facility there for years. I, 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 as a very small child, I took my swimming lessons there. So, I mean, that's how long it's been around. Um, and it's a, uh, uh, you're, we're not going to be able to use it. Uh, or I, I assume the ball field's back behind it. That's where I grew up playing baseball. Um, and I mean, it's just, you know, so, so those things, uh, they're going to, well, I say that they're going to continue to use the Aquadome for a period of time, uh, which seems, problematic to me. I would think so. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and their excuse for this is, well, we've tested it and it's not that high, but they're only testing for two types of PFOS chemicals there. And there have shown to be dozens of these things. And um, it just, it seems like you're going to, you're setting yourself up for a lawsuit if you allow that to continue. But you know, that's, that's what they've decided. It just, what bothers me more than, than, any of this, though, uh, out of this is an attitude. I'll have some stories later about this whole thing and about how this went down and, and, and the people that they they forced out of the city council because they weren't necessarily on board with with hurrying through this settlement with 3M. Um, they thought some other things needed to needed to take place and that there were a lot of things that were going to be done in the future. Um, and as the attorneys will point out to you, you get one shot at doing this. You know, there ain't going to be any more shots here. Uh, you know, as a city uh, to, to fix the problems here, you got one shot to do it and this is it. And you're not fixing the problems that are coming, uh, that are coming down the road with a lot of these things. And you're not fixing the main problem you got right now, which is cleaning up the damn drinking water. Uh, you know, uh, Lawrence County put in a, a, a new filtration system over there a couple of years ago with a settlement from 3M at, to fix the drinking water that went out to their people. That's your biggest problem. That's your biggest concern. That's the thing that is affecting your most uh, vulnerable people there is the drinking water that's going out to them. So fix that at least. I mean, hell, at least. But, you know, I you, you follow along with this on these stories, and I have seen over and over and over again these comments from just regular people, uh, people I know that, say, that keep saying, the city needs to stop screwing around with 3M on this. They're never going to give another dime to this city or these schools if they don't stop messing around with them. Oh. I, so and people are afraid. I, They're afraid is what I'm hearing from that. That 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 3M is somehow going to be wronged here or that, that 3M is going to. This is a 3M has so much money. They'll close that that plant down out there and leave all those people without jobs and just leave out of here. That's the what are y'all talking about? I, I can't. What? <laughs> you know, I mean, we're talking about dump sites all over this county. We're talking about water that you couldn't drink in some places for months. You know, God bless the guy in in, uh, in Lawrence County at the Lawrence County Water System. I believe Don Sims is his name, who, who stood up one day and said, stop drinking the water. Stop drinking the water. And I mean, 
Everybody came unglued on that guy. Uh, he took calls from the mayor of Decatur. He took calls from people. Everybody wanted his head. They tried to squeeze him out of the job. Uh, and all that man did was stood up and say, hey, I think there's something wrong with the water here, and I don't want my people to drink it. And look what happened. He started this whole ball rolling with this. All right. Yeah, there were, there were lawsuits, but the lawsuit had sat there uh, going nowhere until he stood up that day and says, you know, you got to stop. Yeah, we got to stop this. I don't think it's safe. And and so, you know, I just don't understand, man, what how we've gotten to this point. And I think we do it in a lot of different ways where it's it's almost like businesses are doing us a damn favor by existing. You know, and we're willing to take whatever they do in this state. Oh, please give us good jobs. We won't make you pay any taxes. We won't make you do anything uh, to the point where some some people right now in Madison County and some other places are getting high water bills uh, because the, they've had to jack up the prices of the water bills because they've cut tax breaks to all these companies. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just don't, I don't understand the mindset. Well, again, I think it's fear. I think I think a lot of people have been conditioned to be afraid. And um, and I think this is what happens, you know, uh, you know, not to not to not to make this too expansive. But I think this honestly is what happens when you you cultivate a social political culture in a state where. People uh, do not believe that uh, they have the right to better things. You know, when I look around the state, what I see, you know, not just indicator, but the black belt and other parts, you know, south of Huntsville, really, honestly, south of the Huntsville metro area, maybe excluding Birmingham slightly, but not altogether, because I see some of this in Birmingham too. There seems to be a lot of complacency with uh, mediocre to poor conditions. You know, there's a lot of complacency we know, or I don't want to say complacency, but, but people tolerate, people tolerate in our state, you know, uh, being impoverished, having, uh, you know, substandard education, um, you know, and, and, and we tolerate the social ills that has been cultivated over centuries in my mind. I think, you know, and, and, you know, I don't want to get too esoteric here, but when I think about the same kind of thinking that created the 1901 constitution and, and created a culture then that uh, made that acceptable, you know, a lot of times we look at it through a racial lens, but mm-hmm. it's also a cultural problem. It's also a class problem that has that transcends race. And I think that's really what's happened here. So now fast forward to the 3M situation and you got, again, people that are afraid to piss off Massa, people that are afraid to piss off the plantation owner, you know, people that would rather, you know, take the scraps from Massa's table Mm -hmm. than fight for freedom. Yeah. Do you think it's a... Do you think it's an undervaluing of their own self-worth? Yes. Um, yes. Um, um, because that, that, that's honestly what it seems like to me. It's uh, that they have been so convinced over uh, the, the course of time that, that they don't matter, that they don't, uh, that their contributions aren't as important 
uh, as the contributions of these great noble thinkers that have created this business, you know, when in reality, those businesses don't exist without you. All right. Is is the person running those things often visionary and, and very smart and, and uh, you know, people that, that do good things? Yeah, they are. But mm-hmm. they don't get there without the help of the people that make the thing run, man. Um, mm-hmm. And and a good business person, uh, you know, good people do the right things by those that help them. And, and they do the right things by the communities that they serve. And let me tell you. Dumping a bunch of shit in the ground, even if they didn't know any better, which they most certainly did for at least a good portion of that time, um, even if they didn't know any better, is not the right way to do things. You know, when they started spreading this thing around, that they knew better than what was going on here, that they they knew that they weren't supposed to be doing some of this stuff. Uh, But at the same, they did it. And to now come back and say, oh, my God, what if they leave? (laughs) Fuck them. Let them go. You know, get out. It's I I just it's. Yeah, I mean, because they're destroying the community. So you're trading quality of life and possibly even life, period. (laughs) Yeah. For, you know, for, you know, a job. And I just I mean, I know it's it, it may be easy to say because I don't live in Decatur and I'm you know, I'm not directly affected by what's happened there at 3M, but I think indirectly mm-hmm. we're all affected because yeah. uh, it, it, the toxicity, and I don't just mean the literal toxicity that comes from the dumping, but the, but the, but also the figurative or symbolic toxicity that comes from these companies that come into communities, don't give a damn about the health and well-being of those communities, mm-hmm. commit corporate sins Mm-hmm. And then ask for and then ask for forgiveness. Yeah. And, and say, OK, I, you know, now that we've made a billion dollars off of your backs. Yeah, we'll give you a couple of hundred million or whatever. It is. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that, that's yeah. Fine. Yeah. Listen, I'm happy I, to do that. I, I'll tell you what, what I would really encourage people to do that that are still kind of on the fence or even if you're not, if you're, even if you're on the other side of this is that there's a there's a film recently released by it stars Mark Ruffalo. Uh, and it's, I believe it's called Dark Water. Um, and it's about s- something very similar. Uh, it's the PFAS yeah. chemicals, uh, anyway, that are at the, the root of this, this film. And, and it, it chronicles the, the man chasing after, uh, these companies, chemical companies over this stuff. And the fact that they knew from a very early time, or way back, that these things were really dangerous. And mm. that they were going to cause some problems. Mm. And, uh, you know, and listen, I'm not saying everybody that's at 3M is an evil person or they're, they're bad or whatever. All I'm saying is, is the company has caused a huge problem in this area and they mm. should be on the hook to clean it all up, mm. to make it right. To, to make, to do whatever they can to make the people that they've harmed whole again. Uh, and to, and if they want to be real community members to fix the problems that they've caused themselves. And that's all anybody is wanting out of this. And so, you know, I, I think that's fair. And, and this worry about leaving, if they've got to leave, if they're no more concerned with your community than to hightail it in the middle of the night after this, let them go, get them out. Get them out. You're going to be a better community without them. And trust me, there'll be more jobs that come along uh, there and, and everybody will be OK uh, in, in the long run. It works out. Uh, yeah. yeah, it does. All right. Uh, let's wrap this thing up with our uh, right wing nuts. And yeah. 
<laughs> and they are uh, going to be all of these uh, these police officers and uh, folks that are around the the country that can continue to make these great shows of protest, I guess, against mm-hmm. the vaccine mandates that they're required to get uh, by quitting their jobs. Uh, yeah. It this has probably created the greatest police reform that we could have ever had. Um, because I think we've removed a lot of people, uh, that aren't really all that concerned with caring about their communities. You know, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about it like that. I hadn't thought about the upside. I think you're right. Uh, but there is at least temporarily a downside, isn't there? And that is that police departments are depleted and, um, and there's chaos. There's, there's some political turmoil. Uh, in these communities, I know Chicago uh, has has uh, the mayor of Chicago's had some real problems with the uh, the police union there over vaccination, and um, you know it just um, you know even though I think you're right, I think there absolutely is an upside to it that I certainly hadn't thought about. Um, I, I know that there in the short term there's this downside that these communities mm-hmm. are having to deal with, and it's all because of misinformation. You know, it's all because of misinformation and politics. And I continue to say, uh, you know, there's going to be, in my opinion, and I'm not God, but in my opinion, you know, there's going to be a special place in hell for Donald Trump <laughs> because he is the one more than any other person in this country who has created this conflict, confusion, and misinformation and perpetuated it about vaccines based on the way he conducted himself during his presidency. He did. um, And and a lot of his Republican colleagues have helped further that. Um, Mm -hmm. They have have played on the fears. They have played on the misinformation. uh, They have used it to their advantage in races, uh, even when they knew, even when they themselves were vaccinated, uh, even when they knew full well uh, that that saying the things that they were saying were going to be harmful to people, was going to discourage people from getting the vaccine, was going to uh, was going to cause the, the the disease to spread farther and wider, uh, could put more people in the hospital, tax doctors and uh, and healthcare workers, and 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 almost bankrupt the system that we have. Um, and in addition to that, kill a lot of people. And, That's right. and they knew it. They knew it full well. Uh, and now you see the same thing trickling down into these police departments and things. And, and a lot of those folks that uh, I'm sure probably know it well, too. And uh, and they're still doing it anyway. Uh, and I, I know what you're saying. And I think it is a, a very short term concern. Uh, but there are a lot of good jobs open now uh, with good pensions and good benefits. And uh, you can truly go out and maybe we can get a, a whole lot of people in there now that want to protect and serve and and service all communities with respect and dignity and uh you know and again i'm not saying all those people that quit didn't have you know respect and dignity for the communities that they serve but i do question given this decision i do question how devoted they were to 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 the job at hand um and you know that's just that's just me but i I think we'll be okay and and who knew after all the arguing that the police were going to defund themselves uh, so you know. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. I li- I hadn't thought about it that way either. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, listen, we told you we had the possibly the greatest show ever. And and I, I think, again, we delivered. Uh, I, I don't know how show. we keep doing this. Uh, we keep besting ourselves. And um, and and not at one time did I mention the Atlanta Braves uh, that are most definitely going to blow this 3-1 lead. So. <laughs> 
Hey, I'm gonna tell you what, man. I, I, you know, I, I think I told you I'm a Dodgers fan. And, no, uh, you did not. I would have sent you text. Oh man, I missed yeah. out. I was looking for somebody to send text to after the the first two games. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Dodgers fan. I've been a Dodgers fan for a while, and I'm a Mookie Betts fan in particular. I love. I, I do love Mookie, man. I Mookie love. Is, I like that's a, a bad boy right there. Yeah, he is. He's a good dude too. He is. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, Josh. I'm I'm starting to think the Braves may pull this one out. It's not looking good for my Dodgers, man. Now, yeah, well, listen, all you got to do is win one out of the next three, and you got your best three pitchers on full rest going. So the Braves are certainly going to blow it. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Bullpen game coming for L.A. against Max Freed, and there's no doubt in my mind it's going to be 12 to nothing Dodgers before the first inning is over. Uh, oh, so, man. Well, yeah, that's, you know. Uh, hey, listen, that's how it goes, man. If you're a Braves fan, you, you've seen this thing play out. You would get there, and we Ooh. just never get to the World Series. So, uh, but well, you guys had a good run in the was it the '90s where you had oh, yeah. like Smoltz and uh, who was that other that amazing right hander? I can't remember his Maddox, name. Maddox, right Greg Maddox. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, guy. Greg Maddox, Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, John Smoltz, Steve Avery. Uh, yeah, man, is we were... one of the best pitchers I've seen in a long time. Oh, I mean, yeah. when I think about you know, my time following baseball and I'm not, you know, I'm not as religious about it as some people, but I followed, I followed it and Maddox, boy, that guy, brilliant, mm-hmm. brilliant. Oh yeah. Brilliant. It's, uh, I'll say this, uh, aside from last night, aside mm-hmm. from last night, all of these games with the, with the Braves and Dodgers, I, 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 I can't take them anymore. I, I really can't. It's <laughs> a, it is exhausting. It is so <laughs> exhausting, man. I'm, t- you know, I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm so I'm so exhausted by this. And, you know, the comebacks, <laughs> those first two games, man, by the Braves were just, uh, uh, you know, Austin Riley, the, uh, as they call him, the king of Atlanta, and uh, it, which uh, has the greatest walk-up music in, in all of baseball uh, is the, uh, the Steve, uh, Stone Cold <laughs> hey. Steve Austin Glassboro. Hey, before we go, I've been meaning to ask you about this. The guy that wears the pearls, is that Pendleton? Uh-huh. Yeah, Jock, uh, Jock Peterson. Peter Peterson. Peterson yeah. or Peterson? Peterson. Jock Peterson. Yeah. Peterson. What is your what's your opinion about the guy wearing pearls? <laughs> That's, uh, so you know, everybody's been trying to figure out why he does this, and uh, and, and one of his uh, teammates. I'm trying to remember. It might have been uh, Eddie Rosario. Who, by the way, you want to see somebody who's about to get paid? Eddie Rosario is going to get himself a check, my man. <laughs> uh, and but I believe it was Rosario who said, "Yeah, he just does that because he's a clown." <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, there's no other reason. He just did it to, to, he just decided one day to start wearing them. And it was, and people paid attention. And so he does it. And it's, uh, it's really, really weird to see, but it's really kind of funny, I think, the, the way it's, people have latched onto that, uh, that it, deal. They had Dale Murphy out, uh, wearing the pearls the other night. Uh, oh, was he? Yeah, he threw out the first pitch and he came out wearing pearls. Yeah. Oh, did he? Okay. I yeah. missed that. I didn't yeah, see that. Yeah, pulled him out of his pocket like it, was, uh, like it was a magic show or something. Yeah, oh, and, uh, that's funny. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. I mean, it's a different look. I, I'm not against it. I don't have a problem with it, but I just, I was like, huh, what is that? What is that about? Yeah, you know, he was with the Dodgers for for a long time. Uh, was on their a lot of their playoff teams. He was a, he was a big part of their playoff teams, and uh, and, uh, and apparently very well liked out there. And uh, mm-hmm. the Dodgers teammates well, I mean, still love him. He seems like a great ball player. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he does. Have you ever seen anybody more well-liked? And we'll get out of here in a second. But really, if y'all want to stop listening to this, the show's over. We're just talking. <laughs> uh, so, 
this is bonus material. Uh, have you ever seen anybody more like than Freddie Freeman? I, I mean, everybody who stops at first base talks to Freddie and they, they like, they're like laughing and joking. And it's just, I mean, you know, in the middle of this high intensity playoff game, they're just like cracked up laughing over there with, with Freddie and talking about whatever the hell they're talking about over at first yeah. base. And it's just, I mean, it's just so nice. And, you know, he had the whole deal with, with Juan Soto, uh, you, you know, the, the Nats, uh, somebody from the Braves hit Juan Soto and then they threw it at Freddie and hit him. And uh, then after they hit him as they were coming off the field and you know, he went over and put his arm around Soto and, and walked him to the dugout and then talked to the manager of the Nationals. This is in the middle of the game. Talked oh, to the manager of the Nationals wow. about, you know, what was going on and uh, and told him, you know, listen, we're, this is, we, we weren't trying to hit the guy. Uh, it was not, you know, that was not our intent. And we, we got a lot of respect for him. And, um, you know, and they, it was, and it was over after that. And, and, and everybody it. was, was just like, you know, what a great guy, you know, I mean, yeah. who does that? You know, who, who does that at the, at that level and in the, in the middle of the game, you know, it just is. So, it's an unusual nice. guy, man. Unusual yeah. guy, which, which goes to your point. That's why, uh, I guess everybody stops and talks to him and yeah. enjoys uh, engaging with him. That's, that's, no, it's uh, it's it's really nice to watch him play because he's he 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 does it with such a, a joy. It's almost like watching a kid play the game. You know, it's just mm. he's just having such a good time. And you hear him talk about it, and he says, you know, listen, I'm, I'm playing a game for a, that I love for a living. What could possibly be wrong here? You know, mm. I mean, it's just uh, and, and so even when he struck out seven straight times and I was cursing his name, I still love Freddie Freeman. You know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I never imagined sitting in my living room in the middle of the playoffs going, What the hell, Freddy? Come on, man! <laughs> uh, uh, all right, let's, uh, let's actually wrap this thing up and get out of here. And, uh, uh, all right. <laughs> uh, let's slide out. That is Alabama Politics this week. Until next week, y'all be safe. Peace. Hey, everybody. If you would uh, like an opportunity to interact with us here at uh, Alabama Politics this week, uh, we've got a great way for you to do that. Uh, shoot a question over to apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Anything about Alabama politics you want to know about, uh, I don't know, what, what everybody likes to drink or uh, where everybody likes to hang out or you know, whatever, whatever your question may be. Uh, what chances the Democrats might have uh, in the uh, the upcoming midterm elections? Uh, shoot us a question over at apwproducer at gmail.com. apwproducer at gmail.com. Thanks.